Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you need to go today to win money. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use the mobile app device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Fantasy Focus family, great to be back with you. I'm your host, Scott Glasgow, joined by my man, Bobby Lamarco. We are the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Very happy to be back with you one more time on the Fantasy Focused Network. If you're tuning in via Facebook or Periscope or Twitch or YouTube, feel free to jump into the live comment section. Bobby and I will be vetting those best that we possibly can. Tonight, we're talking about the AFC West studs, duds, breakouts, sleepers, and of course, we have a deep sleeper for you per usual. This is episode 440 of the TCK pod. Happy to be streaming live on the fantasy football focused network. Bobby, what's up, man? We got a big one for you tonight. This is our last division. We've been going through this all summer long. It's our last division, our last uh, studs and duds series. I'm excited about this one, man. We got a lot of great players in this division. You know, what's the craziest thing is too, like we've gone through like two months almost of like team previews and this is it. This is emotional. We hated it the last two weeks. We're like, we want to get this done. And now it's an emotional moment. And this is actually a throwback because if you want to hear the actual team previews, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. So yeah. if you want to do that, go check it out on the Candlestick Kids YouTube page. If you want to hear that, and also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But before we jump into the podcast and what we got going on today, we want to do an ADP price check brought to you by DraftWithRedZone.com. Listen, it's important when you're drafting to know what each ADP is so you know when to get your guys. And if you're going to do a draft this year, do it with DraftWithRedZone.com. This is more than just a draft board. Remember, you get a get all the cheat sheets for FantasyPoints.com. You get a championship ring to go along with the whole package, which is worth $50 alone. This whole package, altogether, $89. And if you use the promo code TCK, you actually get 10% off your order. So now you're getting this whole package for under $90. You're getting the cheat sheets. You're getting the draft board. You're getting the ring. And now if you use that promo code TCK, you get 10% off. And remember, all draft boards donate $5 to youth sports. So the question of the day right now is Austin Eckler. A fan favorite of mine in the TCK player spotlight. I think he's our communal stud. We're not going to talk about him today, but he is a notable guy. I actually did a fantasy uh, TCK spotlight on him a couple weeks ago, so go check that out as well. But, Sky, what's your thoughts on Austin Eckler currently going at ninth overall now? So he's getting the respect, but you think you would take him even sooner? 
Austin Eckler is my running back number six in full PPR. I am more than happy to take him in the early first round. It really comes, I've been mock drafting like a madman in the last couple of weeks here as we're up to the finish line and getting ready for drafts. I got to be honest, Bobby, I have a tough time if I don't, okay, let's say the big, you know, uh, four are gone. I'll call it CMC, Cook, Kamara, and Zeke for me. That's the big four. Then it comes down to Henry and Eckler, completely different style backs in NFL and for fantasy also. And then, of course, you got my man Tay Adams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, both in this division we're talking about tonight. If I don't go with Devontae uh, Adams, I really have a tough time going with Derrick Henry over Austin Eckler. I do it only because of the longevity um, and the you know the the floor and what we know we're going to get from Henry. But man, I think the ceiling for Austin Eckler is you know a top three running back in the lone season that he actually played a full season, sixteen games in two thousand nineteen. He had ninety two receptions for nine hundred. 93 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. Of course, he's not rushed over 560 rushing yards. So he's kind of like that 1B to Alvin Kamara style. But as we're going to talk about tonight, they have a new OC, Joe Lombardi, comes over from the Saints to the Chargers. And maybe Austin Eckler is Alvin Kamara with the right usage if he can stay healthy. I love Austin Eckler in fantasy football. And we can't go any further without giving this man just a homie shout out. I don't know if there's any other NFL player that appreciates and shows love for the fantasy football community more than Austin Eckler. He was recently on the Fantasy Footballers podcast. He jumps on there once or twice a season, chops it up with those guys. Just cool to hear his his vibe. But he's also got his own kind of segment with Yahoo Fantasy Football, which he's going to be doing this year. He knows that people love him. He knows about fantasy football. He likes to play it. Guys like Josh Jacobs kind of fade and mock it. Austin Eckler embraces it. He's a fan favorite all across the board. Also, this year, Austin Eckler just announced that each week of the season, he's going to be giving away a signed jersey of his own to those that have drafted him and win their weeks throughout the season. So he's got a great campaign going on. Go to Twitter if you want to check that out. Anyway, Austin Eckler's an incredible player, super-duper homie, and all my short list of NFL players I'd love to hang out with for sure. And Scott, you brought up a good point. People, a lot of people forget. Remember the first four weeks of 2019 when Melvin Gordon was suspended? He was the RB2, averaging nearly 25 points per game in half-boy PPR just behind CMC. So we've seen it. It actually has happened. So that is great. So, Scott, tell the people what we're going to be doing today on the show. We are going to be talking about the AFC West studs, duds, breakout sleepers, and a deep sleeper, of course. We have gone through this entire series. We've done every single team, every single division. And Bobby and I cherry pick a player each from each one of these uh, categories. The duds are rounds one through five. The breakouts are six through 10. The sleepers are rounds 11 through 15. And deep sleepers are rounds 15 plus. Bobby, before we get started here, I want to give everybody another heads up, A, of who we are, because we have a lot of new faces with us and with them. We got a lot happening in the chat room as well already. So if you're just tuning in and you're like, what happened to Levy? What happened to Buck? Where's everybody at? We are the new Levy and Buck. Bobby, I'll give you first choice and I'll be the other one. I'm fine with that. You know, you tell me who you want to be and I'll be the other one. But we are your new co-hosts for Fantasy Focus Football this year. We are Sky Guasco and Bobby LaMarco of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Levy and Buck have been extremely generous, giving us some airtime on these networks. We've been at it since 2018, 400 
40 episodes tonight. We're super, super pumped to be involved with the channel. So if you're tuning on Twitch or you're on YouTube or on Facebook, the chat room's going hot already. Feel free to jump in. Bobby, we do have a couple quick questions. They're not related to this division, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I would like to give some respect. Our man Cappy Jr., in the chat room has a question here from Facebook and I'll read these off. Of course, they're on the screen. If you're on YouTube or Twitch, if you're on the podcast side, here's the question. What do you guys think about Najee Harris? I drafted him on my first round half PPR Bobby 30 seconds or less. Give me Najee Harris. I think the volume's the key, of course, with Najee Harris, but I just view him as someone that's going to struggle to provide elite upside. Number one, that offensive line ranked dead last in adjusted line yards last year. That's what I use to judge run game off offensive line usage. Also, in the, over the last two seasons that Ben Roethlisberger has been the quarterback in 2018-2020, the Steelers have been in the bottom three in target percentage to running backs. So the elite upside that we saw with Le'Veon Bell is not the case anymore either. Plus, with all the receivers now being pushed in, Juju Smith-Schuster getting a low A dot, Deontay Johnson even, and even Eric Ebron being utilized, I just don't see Najee Harris being a, a good first-round pick, but I think he's a safe pick definitely in the second round. Huge upside if if the Steelers line can make it handle, and that offense does look good so far with the new OC. All right, I'll take this one here. Our man Fredley coming in, and again, thank you guys for jumping in already in the uh, in the episode. We'll be with you each night, and of course, Sunday mornings, we're getting back to that start sit, so jump in on Sunday mornings with us as we kick off the season in two weeks. All right, King Henry should be an easy one over Eckler. Okay, I just talked about Eckler over Henry. Look, I'm not saying to draft Eckler over Henry per se, but I, I find myself in trouble when I'm on the clock at maybe number six if I don't go with Devonta Adams in my personal ranking. Full PPR, it's tough for me not to take Eckler with the upside. And here's the only thing you can knock with Derrick Henry. We know the usage is there. We know they're going to run the offense there, but Julio comes in. We'll see what happens. Derrick Henry, I mentioned this recently on an episode, but I'll say it again quickly. Derrick Henry last year, 378 carries. Now, easily the most career highs across the board for Derrick Henry. 378 carries, 75 more than his previous career high last year. 2,078 yards, phenomenal, obviously. 487 more yards than his previous career high and 17 rushing touchdowns. If those numbers come back down to earth and he gets 350 even, let's call it 2,000 with the 17th game, but the percentage goes down and then maybe 15, 12, 15 touchdowns, his numbers are going to come down a little bit. The ceiling for Eckler's higher. The floor, of course, for Henry is higher. All right. We appreciate you guys jumping in, but we got to get to business this evening. Once again, Sky and Bobby coming with you from the TCK, jumping in on the fantasy focused network. Shouts out to our boys, Buck and Levy. All right, here we go. Bobby, we're going to get into this. I'll let you go first on this one here. Once again, we are going through the AFC West. We're doing the studs, duds, breakouts, sleepers, and deep sleepers. You and I each have one per category. Again, we're only talking about the AFC West. So the Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders. The stud category is rounds one through five based on NFC ADP. That's what Bobby and I use cumulatively. That's higher stakes. It's more kind of serious and accurate ADP average draft position that Bobby and I feel. So those players that are eligible for this particular category with the studs and the duds, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Eckler, CEH, Keenan Allen, Waller, Mahomes, Jacobs, Javante Williams, and Jerry Judy sneaks in at the back of the fifth round as well. So with the stud, Bobby, you're picking somebody out of that group that you're not only comfortable with in the first five rounds, but you think will exceed expectations with ADP. Who do you got for your stud? It's a guy that's really risen up draft boards, and he's actually now being drafted in the fifth round, and I think that's kind of where he deserves to be going. And the thing with Jerry Judy is, for a long time, he was going in the seventh round, maybe even the eighth at some point. 
But now with the Teddy Bridgewater news, I feel like a lot of us are going to feel a lot more comfortable, and we're going to kind of break down why that is the case. First off, I like Pat Shermer. I think Pat Shermer is a very good offensive mind. He did not get enough time. I'm a Giants fan. I'm upset he got let go because Daniel Jones looked good with Pat Shermer. And the other thing, too, with Pat Shermer is that this is his second year with all those guys. Yes, I know Teddy B is technically new, but don't forget that Teddy B played under Pat Shermer in Minnesota in 2016 and 17. Yes, Teddy B was hurt and did not play, but he was still learning that offense. He was still a part of the team. So he knows Pat Shermer's scheme. So I'm excited for the growth of this offense because the offensive line, also keep in mind, they have Mike Munchak, who's one of the best offensive line coaches in football. So let's talk a little bit about Jerry Judy's 2020. First of all, my favorite stat ever, unrealized air yards. We brought this up a bunch of times. Jerry Judy was number two last year in that metric at 965 unrealized air yards. That means that these balls were not even catchable, basically. And that's how, you know, that's almost a 1,000 yards that he didn't even have a shot. He was open, but Drew Locke could not hit him. So that's the first thing. If he can get at least half of those. Last year he had 800 yards, and he had 800 yards of realized air yards, and then he has another 965 of unrealized air yards. So right there we can see a story where he's already going to get flirting with over a 1,000 yards. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater last season was able to support three top 25 receivers. That's all great. And I think that's another way to view uh, Jerry Judy taking another step because we just saw it with Carolina. But at last year, uh, Jerry Judy was outside the top 100 in catchable target rate, target quality, and target accuracy. So now when you look at Teddy B last year, and now you compare that to the guys that he played with. So I looked at a blended rate between DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. On average, they were 36th in target uh, catchable target rate, 39th in target quality, and 33rd in target accuracy. So the accuracy and quality of the targets are going to go from outside the top 100 to in between 30 and 40. That is a huge increase for Teddy, uh, for Jerry Judy, why he could make another jump. Now, the other thing is his 18% drop rate last year. Not great. He actually finished the season with 12 on the year. However, I looked into the last 10 years and I actually took a look at all the receivers who actually had double-digit drops and how many drops they had the next season. So 60 wide receivers since 2011 had 10 or more drops in a season. On average, in those seasons, they averaged 11.5. Judy last season averaged 12. The following year, after having a double-digit drop season, they fell all the way to 6 on average. So their drops got cut in half. We could see that with Jerry Judy. That's six more receptions last year on those drops Overall, I just see that all going to bounce back from. The other thing is the touchdown bounce back. Jerry Judy last season had three touchdowns on 113 targets. Of the top 50 targeted receivers last year, he was 46th in touchdown percentage. Now, I understand that Teddy B had some struggles with Robbie Anderson. He also had some struggles with DJ Moore and company. Teddy B is actually not a dynamic red zone guy, but... It's just the fact that his yardage, his receptions, his uh, efficiency is going to go way up. So that's why I think even in the fifth round, he's a, still a stud. He's a buy. And I think he fills a big void for late fifth round drafters now as an ideal pick in that range. He ends up being a wide receiver two or three in your drafts as well. If you go running back heavy or even Kelsey or something up at the top. I love that. And Bobby, you got to feel good about yourself going with Jerry Judy here as your stud because our man Jared Smola of Draft Sharks, he was just on the program yesterday. My man came out here. He was the number two pre-draft ranker last year in Fantasy Pros, number 10 overall in season. One of his must-have players 
one Jerry Judy. Last point on this and Jerry Judy. I don't have the numbers in front of me, so apologize for not having the catches and the drop percentage. But three wide receivers jump off the page for me when I think over the years, the last five, six years, who's a rookie, a young wide receiver who couldn't catch the ball, had drop problems, and we look ahead of time and who they are. Devontae Adams was completely uh, ridiculed for it when he was the second to Jordy Nelson. That one's worked out. Amari Cooper couldn't catch a cold as a rookie. He's just fine. And last year, Deontay Johnson, still an absolute PPR beast. I think Jerry Judy's going to be just fine with better quarterback play. Okay, man, I'm going to stick with the Broncos here. My stud is going to be a rookie, Javante Williams. Now, I am not one to usually pull rookies into the category of studs, duds, breakouts, because we don't have anything to gauge this off of in the NFL. The problem I had here, Bobby, is that, (laughs) unfortunately, I look at the rest of this category. Kelsey doesn't count. Hill doesn't count. Eckler, we just talked about Eckler, but he seemed too obvious for me. I thought about going CEH. Keenan Allen, I think, doesn't count. Waller's a beast. Mahomes, right? And then that leaves basically Jacobs and Judy and Javante Williams. So I thought about CEH. I love CEH, but I went with Javante Williams because I wanted to dive in a little deeper for myself. Now, he's going as the running back 22 uh, in the fifth round. ECR has him at 27. I have him at 27 as well. The public's a little bit hotter on him than uh, the experts is. Now, the big thing with Javante Williams is I think a lot of people who are paying attention this time of year understand he's not going to be the starter. But I think the hype from last year's rookies, what we saw from five rookies last year, rookie running backs, was even if you wait until week four, week five, week six, week eight even, you can still have a rookie running back explode in the second half of the season, i.e. J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, right? These guys all went nuts in the second half of the season, and they were just fine for fantasy football. Let's not forget, Jonathan Taylor was droppable up until week 10. He ended up winning people leagues. Melvin Gordon is going to start, and we're going to probably talk about Melvin Gordon here throughout this podcast because it's just an interesting situation with that Denver backfield. But I have Javante Williams ahead of Melvin Gordon in my preseason rankings because I want that to trigger myself to draft Javante Williams, not Melvin Gordon. Here's why. Your boy Pat Shermer prefers his workhorses. Melvin Gordon could be that guy for sure, but he might be breaking down at 28 years old. I think Javante Williams is built as an NFL workhorse. I'm kind of feeling Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins vibes this year. Mark Ingram was 30 years old last year, 31 years old. So, you know, not exactly apples to apples, but having the the proven veteran coming in to start the season and then eventually giving up time and then having the rookie explode in the second half of the season. Now, the GM, George Payton, drafted up in the second round to get Javante Williams. That's always a good sign, right? Trey Sermon was drafted up to get for the 49ers. They see them on the board. They make moves. They draft up in the draft to get their guy. That's always a plus for sure, especially with running backs. Now, he's only had you know a preseason game, but 11 and 13-yard carries in his first two carries. He also scored a touchdown, but that was actually brought back to a holding penalty. So he's been extremely efficient in limited work with basically backups for the Broncos, which you like to see there. 22 total touchdowns last year at North Carolina in a running back by committee with Michael Carter, who, of course, is now with the New York Jets. And Gordon has been nursing a groin injury. This is a problem for me. We saw last year David Montgomery, who is the best case scenario for a groin injury. He had a groin injury this time of year as well, and he's plummeted to about the sixth round 
people drafted him just in case it worked out. Obviously, he ended up winning people leagues and had a great season. But Melvin Gordon is six years older than that, and I am concerned that Melvin Gordon's been kind of beat up over his career anyway. I'm not sure that he finishes a full season. He's only done that once, 2017. He's missed nine games over the last two seasons, and that makes me nervous with Melvin Gordon. So I think Melvin Gordon is just going to be kind of a you know a guy in the late rounds or middle rounds, I guess, and, and we'll see what happens with him. But Michael, uh, excuse me, Javante Williams is somebody that I'm willing to get, you know, again, in the fifth or sixth round, sit on for a couple of weeks. And then once he gets more work, which I think he will, behind a better offensive line with Teddy Bridgewater moving the ball, more opportunity to score, and Pat Shermer, who you wrote a great article about with Razball. So you can rep that article if you'd like to. But you broke down all the running backs back in the day under Pat Shermer. I'm very, very excited for the Broncos backfield, whoever it is. I think it's going to be Javante Williams. <sighs> so we're going to get pause into it. If you want. You we're going yeah, to get into it if we want to. I mean, listen, Javante Williams to me, dynasty wise, could easily be ahead of Najee Harris. I know people have Harris locked into this big workload, but I've talked about the, the Pat Shermer thing breaking down his impact on ground games throughout his career. So I love the Javante. This is not an anti Javante take. So we'll talk about that in a little bit about why I actually disagree. But let's get into our duds. And really, when I was going through this, I actually wanted to make people understand that Patrick Mahomes is going to be my dud for this position and uh, for this division. And it has nothing to do with Mahomes himself. It is 100% about where he's going and understanding draft philosophy. Now, this is what I'm going to break down for you. Last season, in 2020, Patrick Mahomes was 29.6 points per game in six points per passing touchdown leagues. That was QB2. That is awesome. That's great. But you have to evaluate in your draft. So what we typically see is a lot of teams have 12-team leagues. They have two running backs, two receivers, and a flex. That means you could technically draft running backs and receivers through the first five rounds and fill up all your spots and then go get a quarterback. So I wanted to take a look at what kind of quarterbacks you can get in the sixth round. So the one that stands out to me right away is Russell Wilson in the back of the sixth round. So instead of drafting Patrick Mahomes, who had 29.6 points per game in the third round, you could draft Russell Wilson, who averaged 27.4 points per game in the sixth round. Why is this all important? Because look at the guys you are passing up in the third round to draft Patrick Mahomes. For example, CeeDee Lamb is going right behind him at wide receiver 11. J.K. Dobbins is the next running back, is the RB15. So what are the guys you're going to replace them with? Because now the sixth round player is going to be in your starting lineup potentially for week one. Now remember, if you start, if you take Patrick Mahomes in the third, that means you still have your empty flex spot when you go into the sixth round. So the guys going in the sixth round where you could technically take Russell Wilson at the receiver and running back position is the RB30, which is Kenny Galladay, and the RB28, which is Trey Sermon. So I just wanted to take a look last season in 2020, how many points per game did the wide receiver 11 have, which would be CeeDee Lamb, versus the wide receiver 30, which is Kenny Galladay. It would be 14.1 versus 11.4. That's a 2.7 differential. Now, if you just, I just brought up Russell Wilson actually was only a 2.2 differential. So you're already in the red. You're better off with CeeDee Lamb and Russell Wilson, technically, than a guy like Kenny Galladay and Patrick Mahomes. Now, even look at the running back position. Last year, the RB28 averaged 11.3 points per game. The RB15, which would be J.K. Dobbins, who you're drafting in the third round, was 13.8. So that's a 2.5 points per game difference. That is actually still higher than what you would get with Russell Wilson at 2.2. 
So the point is you have to evaluate where, how deep your leagues are, but also who you can get in those later rounds. Now, more importantly, the deeper you get, the worse it gets. So for example, if you're in a league that has three receivers and two flex spots, that means you're not, you're, you have to fill up all your receiver and flex spots all the way into the eighth and maybe even sometimes ninth round. You can get guys in the seven, eight turn range. You can get Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Jalen Hurts, and Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill last year averaged 25.2 points per game. Tom Brady averaged 20, 26.1. So you're getting guys in that range at quarterback that could be closer to Patrick Mahomes than the wide receiver 40, running back 35. Those guys that you'll have to draft in the eighth, ninth round to fill starting spots. So the whole point of the Patrick Mahomes being a dud thing is you can find value at the sixth, seventh, eighth round for quarterback that you can't replace. You can't replace the wide receiver seven that easily. And uh, the wide receiver 11, my apologies, in the third round, you can't replace in the seventh, eighth round as it is easier to replace a quarterback with elite upside. That's why he's my dud for the division. So crazy to say that, man. So crazy to, to say the words Patrick Mahomes a dud, but it has nothing to do with him. It's all about the draft and replacement value. I agree. We got another question here. I want to bring this up quickly as we transition, uh, and it's a quarterback question. Teddy Bridgewater recently was named the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. There's been, you know, a legitimate competition in Broncos camp with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke has shown flashes, but he's clearly not the guy. Teddy is safe. Teddy's not going to lose games. Drew Locke is more flashy, I think would you know pump the stats maybe a little bit more. But Teddy Bridgewater has proven to be very efficient and, and potentially a win, a winner there. So the question is simply, does Drew Locke take over at some point? My quick answer is sure, but barring an injury, <laughs> bar, barring an injury or a colossal, you know, dump from Teddy Bridgewater, which I just don't see over his tendencies in his career without him getting hurt. No, I do not see them just going to Drew Locke unless they end up losing five, six games in a row. With that defense, though, and all the weapons with Teddy, unless he gets injured, I do not see Drew Locke taking over. What is your think? I agree. I think if they start one and four, it makes a lot of sense to go to Drew Locke. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater ain't winning the games. But that defense under Vic Fangio with Patrick Sertan now a cornerback as well, they're going to be good. Yeah. And they just like – all they're thinking is just don't lose us the game. And just if you could just complete a couple short passes, get us a third-round conversion, and keep the defense off the field, we could definitely win some football games. So that's what I think. So if they're like 3-3, three and 4-3, three, and three, I think it's going to be Teddy for a longer. But if they go 1-5, and five, I could see Drew Locke hopping in there. 100% agree there. And, man, Bradley Chubb coming back. Oh, man. And, and of course, Vaughn Miller. I mean, that defense is going to be nasty if they can stay – Healthy. Appreciate the questions. Feel free to jump in. We'll get to as many as possible. You're listening to TCK Pod on the Fantasy Focused Networks. All right, Bobby, I'm going to get into my dud here. And I did ask you pre-show if I could have a 45-minute time slot for this guy. Mm. Out of respect, I'm going to trim it to like 38 minutes instead. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll shave it down a little bit. This one's a bummer. My stud in the AFC West is Josh Jacobs. Going as the ADP, average draft position, running back number 20, going in the middle of the fourth round, expert consensus ranking has him at 21. I've got him at 25. Now, Josh Jacobs has been very good for fantasy. Unfortunately, it's been very tough to – it's been very tough for me to convince myself to go with Josh Jacobs even this year with his incredible draft value of going in the fourth or the fifth round depending on – your overall draft uh, tendencies. He finished 14th overall in his rookie season and then eighth or seventh last year, depending on your formatting. 
Now, Josh Jacobs for me is a complete fade. I've got him at 25 only because I know the work is going to be there, but his efficiency has honestly, unfortunately been horrendous. Okay, the volume. So he scored 12 touchdowns and carried the ball 273 times. That's fantastic. They were third most in the NFL among running backs, both of those, 12 touchdowns and 273 rush attempts were both third most in the NFL. So the the volume is going to be there. But I just made a tweet before we hopped online. Volume is king. The saying volume is king in fantasy football is only legit if they do something with the volume. And unfortunately, Josh Jacobs' efficiencies have been quite poor if you take the touchdowns out. 68 red zone opportunities last year. That was the most in the entire NFL. Jacobs turned those into 12 touchdowns, fourth most in the NFL. So again, somewhat efficient in the red zone, but 68 red zone opportunities, you would hope that he gets more than 12 touchdowns, even though that was a great number. Now, he's the definition of a plotter, in my opinion. A plotter in fantasy football is basically somebody that just kind of takes a carry, you know, runs up, you know, Alfred Morris back in the day. Uh, you know, you have John... Um, you know, Jordan Howard, guys like that, where they're getting lots of work, but they're not doing a lot with it. Unfortunately, I think Josh Jacobs is that guy also. In 296 times that Josh Jacobs touched the ball last season, he had zero plays of 30 yards. Let me say that again. 296 times that Josh Jacobs touched the ball last year, he had no plays of 30 yards. I want to give a shout out to Tim Petropopoulos of B Roto Fantasy. I'm just going to read this straight up of what he said because it's a lot of information I didn't want to break down. So this is from Tim. Removing the touchdowns from the equation kind of reveals how inefficient Josh Jacobs was. His .448 points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, was good for 101st in the NFL. He also produced negative 1.6 fantasy points per expected, ranking him 114th furthermore his 3.6 yards per carry was 82nd in the nfl and his four big plays which are 20 yards or more was tied for 36th in the entire nfl so again the efficiency and explosion is just simply not there for josh jacobs per graham barfield one of the best follows on twitter and minds in fantasy football period highly recommend you go follow him at graham barfield on twitter game script dependent does not even explain how ridiculous Josh Jacobs in in wins versus losses for the Raiders. 21 fantasy points per game in wins. 10.3 fantasy points in losses. In losses, his fantasy points chop in half. 17 of his career 19 touchdowns come in wins. The Raiders' Vegas win total right now is 7.5. So the math is trending, unfortunately, in the wrong direction for Josh Jacobs, and I will pass. This feels like a poor man's Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt with Kenyon Drake coming in as well. That's fine in Cleveland. They do very well. They have a great offensive line. The Raiders just got rid of all of their offensive line. I don't want anything to do with the Raiders. I'll draft Kenyon Drake in the ninth or 10th round. I'm going to pass on Josh Jacobs. It's unfortunate because he had really good success in fantasy finishes. I don't see that happening again this year. And I would rather get out a year early and have it burn me potentially in the middle rounds then go for it again, and I understand he's getting drafted in the fourth or fifth round. The volume's there, like the value's there. For me, it just isn't. I think Kenyon Drake is at least as good as Josh Jacobs, pound for pound, and he catches the ball. I'm going to fade Josh Jacobs all day.
Yeah, that's okay. I think Josh Jacobs, to me, though, last year, if you looked at the the name, the, how many games he produced double-digit fantasy points, he was in the 60% range, which is inside the top 20. So he offers you a nice floor because of that volume. Um, but in the fourth round, he's not gonna he's not gonna be a guy who wins your league. But if something crazy happens and you know Kelsey and and Tyree kills slip and you want to pull the trigger on one of those guys instead of grabbing a second running back in the second round and you want to come back around in the fourth and grab a guy like Jacobs, I actually wouldn't mind that. If you want to take the upside instead of that security at running back, I totally get it. But in the fourth round, give me like those upside receivers like Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup. So. I agree there. But, Sky, before we get into our breakouts, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about one of our sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a shout-out to the Jersey Jungle. Anybody that's been paying attention to this podcast over the last summer knows that I love Jersey Jungle, and I collect the jerseys. If you're looking behind me, you can see today I have my man Justin Herbert. Shouts out to the Ducks. I live down the street from Autzen Stadium right here in Eugene, Oregon. So big up to my Ducks. And Justin Herbert set the league on fire last year. He was a rookie of the year and i've got colin kaepernick behind me as well both of these jerseys come in courtesy of the jersey jungle you can dm them on instagram at the jersey jungle use the promo code tck to receive 10 percent off of one or two jerseys and 15 percent off of three plus jerseys they have football baseball basketball college football college basketball they have hockey they have soccer they have custom home and away vintage camo whatever you're looking for the jersey jungle has you covered and you might want to go check them out and call your shot now. Grab a rookie jersey. Grab one of the veterans before they end up in the Hall of Fame. Get yourself a retro jersey. Again, we had Smola on the other day. He wanted a Jerry Judy bright orange jersey. I want to get myself a creamsicle Brady. I think that'd be a fly jersey. So go get yourself a jersey at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram, the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK for 10 to 15% off. Love me some Jersey Jungle, man. Great, man. So I'm here to talk about my breakout, and I'm about to go to Jersey Jungle and get this guy's jersey because I'm tired of the slander. I'm tired of it. It's just ridiculous. It's Melvin Gordon, okay? Melvin Gordon, I understand everyone likes Javante Williams. He's the new hotness. But Benjamin Albright, who's probably one of the most trusted Denver sources, keeps saying over and over again, he's doubled down multiple times. Melvin Gordon is the RB1. Melvin Gordon is the guy going into this season that he's going to be the running back one. Now, the question comes, yeah, he's older. He's 28. Me and Sky have broken down this plenty of times, age analysis for running backs. 28 and 29 is actually not where the cliff comes. It comes later at actually age 31. So I'm not even worried about his age. Now, I also love Pat Shermer. The way Pat Shermer utilizes his running backs, they also use them in the pass game and the run game. The problem was last year was Drew Locke did not target his running backs. That's going to change with Teddy B, and I'll break down in a second. Also, Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak is probably the number one or number two best offensive line coaches in football. He has got four or five starters returning this year, and I expect this offensive line to be very good. And that led to Melvin Gordon having one of his best rushing seasons just last year. Last season, he was top 10 in PFF run grades. He was ninth in rushing yards, ninth in rushing touchdowns, and he had his second yet best yards per carry of his career. This resulted in him finishing as a top 12 running back and even the RB22 in points per game. He's being drafted today at the RB32 in ADP. So, like, he's being drafted so late that it doesn't even make sense based on his 2020 performance. Plus, remember, last season, I like to point this out. Number one, the Denver Broncos game in Week 12 when they played the Saints with a starting receiver at, at quarterback. Just take that game out. 
So if you take that game out and also just look at the games he played with Phil Lindsay, I expect Javante Williams to see double-digit carries just like Lindsay did last year. He averaged 12.7 points per game. That's the same as he averaged throughout the year. That's still top 22 points per game numbers, and it helped him finish as a top 12 running back. So let's talk about Teddy B. Now that Teddy B is the starter, he utilizes the running backs in the pass game a lot more than Drew Locke last season. He actually threw to the running backs 21.7%. That's 8% higher than what Drew Locke had at 13.5 last year. Based on the dropbacks and the targets from last year, that would increase running back targets by 44. So if, if Melvin Gordon being the established veteran, even if he only gets maybe half, maybe let's say two-thirds of those, he's still looking at another 30 targets this year. That's going to really help him reach his upside. And also last season, Mike Davis – and we're all going to sit here. If you want to sit here and tell me Mike Davis is better than Melvin Gordon, you're out of your mind. Melvin Gordon, Mike Davis last season, his 16-game pace as a starter uh, was 75 targets. So the baseline is there with Teddy B to see a running back getting into that 75 target range. That is great news for a guy like Melvin Gordon. And I broke this down in my fantasy points per reception article last year. In his career, he averages 1.5 points per every reception he gets. Last year, that went down to 1.18. Drew Locke was not good at targeting the running backs. He did not do it often. So we saw his passing game production crater. If you give him his average career fantasy points per reception on top of his points per game, his points per game jumps to 13.5 last year. He would have been the RB17 ahead of guys like Gibson, Sanders, and Swift. Now you can get this guy in the 7-8 turn all the way back in later in drafts. So this is why me personally, I've been a heavy running back guy early. But, for example, if you want to pivot, and let's say you get to that back end of the first round and you want to take Tyreek Hill there because you like the value, I feel more comfortable now, and I've done this in a draft. I actually pulled out Melvin Gordon in the 7-8 turn, and I used him as my RB2, and I loaded up on Kyler Murray, TJ Hawkinson, and guys like Tyreek Hill in the draft. So I love Melvin Gordon where he's going in the drafts. That's why he's my breakout. Oh, boy. All right, so you have Melvin Gordon as your breakout, and I have Javonta Williams as my stud. So what we're saying is <laughs> – the Broncos are going to run the ball, and they're going to Oof. they're going to run it effectively. I want to give shouts out really quick to Dio and Fredley. I know these guys have been longtime fantasy focused contributors. Uh, we also have some other people, Ryan in the chat room as well, and of course Cappy kicking us off. So once again, those of you tuning into the fantasy focused avenues on Twitch or on YouTube or on Facebook, we're Sky and Bobby from the TCK. We're going to be with you every single day, and of course Sunday mornings for your start sit. Keep chiming in in the chat room we appreciate you bobby it really comes down again it comes down to uh staying healthy which i know is such a cop-out in fantasy i try not to pull that card but with melvin gordon in the workload i just in javante williams chomping on his heel and him coming in with the groin injury makes me nervous i am going to spot put you on the clock we did not talk about this pre-show you're under the lights let's make it quick here melvin gordon and i'm just going to do other running backs for now and then maybe we'll mix it up melvin gordon or damian harris with Sonny Michelle out of town. Melvin Gordon. Michael Carter. Melvin Gordon. Raheem Mostert. Melvin Gordon. Ronald Jones. Melvin Gordon. Your boy, Zach Moss. Mm, I love Zach Moss. You know I love Zach Why do. do you do this to me? Why I would do. you do that? It's not even Let's cool. I'm going to say Melvin Gordon. I really believe in this offense. Two more. Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin. Wow. Uh... I'm going to go Melvin Gordon. Oh, wow. And Chase Edmonds. I'm going to go Chase there. 
Okay, Color, uh, a couple other quick non-running backs, just throwing it out there. You just mentioned you might want to, if you pass on Mahomes, okay, you got your, your starting running backs, your starting wide receivers, maybe even a middle-round tight end or an early town tight end. It's time for a quarterback before you start, you know, cleaning out the plates there. Let's go with uh, Tom Brady or Melvin Gordon. If I don't have a quarterback and yeah. I have my stuff filled, it's Tom Brady. Okay, Matt Stafford. Uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> I'd probably say Staff. I would say, listen, that's the thing. I, I probably would take. No, I'm going to say. I'm going to say Stafford. Okay, MV Tannehill. Tannehill, of course. Jalen Hurts. Hurts. Okay, uh, mix it up here really quickly. Let's go with your boy Tyler Boyd. Oh, uh, why Tyler Boyd is my forget it. Yeah, Tyler Boyd. All day. okay. And uh, let's go with uh, Devonta Williams or Devonta Smith. Excuse me. Melvin Gordon. Okay, so Melvin Gordon really is your guy. I just spent five minutes talking about how I didn't care about Josh Jacobs getting drafted in the fourth or the fifth round and the volume being there and the and the value and everything. I would make the case, actually, for Melvin Gordon going in the eighth round. I think that's embarrassing, almost the ninth round there as well. So I do like the volume there. Look, you and I are kind of agreeing to disagree. We're just taking other sides of this backfield. I think we both expect this Bronco offense to be what we thought it was going to be last year. Okay, let me get into mine here. This is my breakout. I am going to stick with Melvin Gordon's former team, and I'm going to stick with my San Diego, Los Angeles superchargers here. I'm going to go with Mike Williams. Now, I know Mike Williams is the cool guy to vote for this year, um, but as you all know, with my Clemson wide receiver love that runs very deep, I've been Mike Williams from day one, former seventh overall pick. I think people forget how touted this guy was coming into the NFL, seventh overall Back in the day, he's going as the wide receiver 42, basically in the ninth round. ECR has him at 46. I've got him at 39. He's playing for his job, basically, in 2022. He's looking for a new team. They're not going to pick up his fifth-year option with the Chargers. They basically already told him that. So he's looking to get signed somewhere else. And basically, he just needs to get more more work, more volume, basically, and stay healthy, and he's going to be just fine. Over the last three seasons – Nobody has a higher yards per reception than Mike Williams at 17.3 average. You hear a lot about Mike Evans and his 17 plus yards per reception over his career. Absolutely phenomenal for Mike Evans. Plus he's played a handful more seasons. So overall, Mike Evans wins that. But Mike Williams is getting drafted in the ninth round and he's actually better per average. Last year, his yards per reception dropped nearly five yards from 20.4 in 2019 to 15.8. So nearly five yards per reception drop in 2020 from 2019. I expect that to absolutely bounce back in year two of Justin Herbert. Also having Herbert getting an entire starting caliber offseason and Joe Lombardi coming in as the new OC from the Saints. In 2018, Mike Williams had 11 touchdowns, but just 664 receiving yards. In 2019, he had 1,001 receiving yards, but just two receiving touchdowns. I expect that to balance out somewhere in the middle, right? He has had a 10-plus touchdown season. He's had 1,000-plus receiving yards in a season. If he actually were to put those together, 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns, which is absolutely possible with his offense, absolutely possible as a number two, with this OC and Justin Herbert, I see that being a possibility. If he does that, he's going to he's going to probably be a, a high end wide receiver two, if not a back end wide receiver one. That's his upside, and you're getting him as the wide receiver almost fifty right now in the ninth round, which is insane. 
Mike Williams went down in week three last year, and then he week, missed week four. Justin Herbert didn't come in until week two, but it was a surprise start with, you know, Tyrod Gate. And then he didn't really get started until about week, you know, seven or so with the bye week and all that. Week five through the rest of the season, he was going five for 108 and 22, and he had 28 PPR fantasy points against the Saints. Uh, in New Orleans. After the Chargers bye week in week six, he had at least five targets in eight of his final 10 games. So the work was there. We know Keenan Allen's going to be the hog there. We know Austin Eckler is going to be his guy. But the number two or three in this offense is Mike Williams, and he's going to get the volume this year. He had at least four catches and 50-plus yards or a touchdown in five of those 10 games at the end of the season. Solid floor and wide receiver one weekly upside. Finally, the Chargers last year were fifth in the NFL in pass attempts per game. And then they have new offensive coordinator we talked about a couple times, Joe Lombardi coming over from the Saints. He wants to push the ball downfield using a more balanced and efficient attack than like the run and gun that they kind of had to play last year, playing catch up constantly because their defense got totally wiped out early in the season. And Herbert was a rookie just kind of flinging it. Austin Eckler was in and out of the lineup. So was Mike Williams. So in conclusion, Mike Williams is kind of one of these like, Low risk it, all biscuit kind of guys here. And we're talking about a breakout. Mike Williams has done it in flashes, 10-plus touchdowns in in 18, 1,000-plus yards in 19. If he can put those two together, he's going to explode this. He's got to stay healthy. Of course, that's the biggest issue with Mike Williams. But, man, I'm feeling it this year. And out of Herbert, Sutton, Gordon, Mike Williams, Fant, Drake, and Hardman, those are guys in the 6th to 10th round in our breakouts. Mike Williams is the easy get for me. In his lone season as the offensive coordinator in Detroit, his offense supported two top 15 receivers in Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson. To so be surprised if Joe Lombardi does that again with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Now, if you're interested in stats and you like what we're doing here today, let's talk a little bit about where we get some of our stats, and it's actually expandtheboxscore.com. Expandtheboxscore.com is this, one of our promotional guys, a site I write for. It's a way to get advanced stats at an affordable price. So, for just $25 for the season, you get access to things like broken tackles, contested catches, routes run, missed tackles, advanced stats that you typically only get with the bigger products like PFF and Sports Info, so Info Solutions. But if you use that promo code TCK, you actually get $5 off your order. So that means that the package in total is only $20 for the season, and you get a four-day free trial. So if you don't like what you see, you can definitely – uh, cancel anytime, no risk, no problem. So please use your promo code TCK and step up your game this year and use that promo code to get advanced stats with expandtheboxscore.com. Now, Sky, using expand the box score, I'm sure it helped you find your sleeper. So why don't you tell us who you got in the sleeper category going after round 10? Man, you just heard me gush about Mike Williams, and I'm very excited. But unfortunately, Mike Williams isn't going late enough in drafts. Too late for me, but not late enough to be my sleeper. So I'm going to go with another wide receiver that I absolutely love. And spoiler alert, I've got one more wide receiver in this division for my deep sleeper as well. My sleeper, though, in the 11th to 14th, 15th rounds, I got to go with my man Brian Edwards. I know he's the hotness now because John Gruden – oh, my God, John Gruden. Poor Raider fans. John Gruden just came out and basically said that Brian Edwards is Terrell Owens. And then they have a beat reporter comparing him to Randy Moss. So anybody that's watched football in the last 15, 20 years knows that those are two literal Hall of Famers. And now this kid who barely played last year, who got hurt before the draft, has to live up to the hype. 
let's 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 calm it down a little bit. But I love Brian Edwards and the potential prospect that he is. Right now, he's going as the wide receiver sixty six in the fourteenth round. He almost wasn't even eligible for a sleeper. He was almost my deep sleeper, but he squeezes into the fourth round here. Expert consensus ranking seventy two. I've got him at sixty three. All right. So the public and I are higher than the experts are on Brian Edwards. I hope it's not a false bravado here. 6'3", 2'12", dude's a beast. 94th percentile college dominator rating, 100th percentile in breakout age. This dude is an absolute truck. I'm excited for this. I loved him coming out of South, South Carolina last year. In the third round, I actually was hoping that my Niners would scoop him. They didn't, and that's fine. But I love him coming out of South Carolina. I drafted him last year in rookie drafts reached for him essentially in a couple different drafts to make sure he was on my dynasty teams last year was a wash but i got him sitting on my taxi squads in a bunch of leagues i'm excited about this hopeful breakout now i called him last year kind of the raiders debo samuel and he might just be he's strong he's aggressive he's a yards after catch monster and unfortunately so far he's got a knack for injury as well He's been running with the first team in Las Vegas, so that's fantastic. We don't really know who the number one wide receiver is. We know Darren Waller is obviously the number one pass catcher, but the number one wide receiver on paper, it should be Henry Ruggs. It might be Hunter Renfro. It it probably won't be, but there's John Brown who comes in as well, a good clubhouse guy, a veteran there, and they have Zay Jones floating around as well, but I think it could potentially be Brian Edwards. Ruggs went 12th overall last year off the board, the first wide receiver drafted. But I'm not convinced that Gruden knows what he's doing, first of all, or know how to use him. And I'm not convinced that Henry Ruggs is a better overall wide receiver than Brian Edwards. Of course, he's got the speed, but overall wide receiver for an offense. I think Brian Edwards is actually a better fit for Derek Carr. Derek Carr was eighth in the NFL in 10-plus yard area throws last year. So basically between like the 10, 15, 18-yard range, Derek Carr threw the eighth most passes last year. He was fourth in 30-yard area throws. So between eight and 30 yards is where Derek Carr likes to live. Not a lot of dump-offs, not a lot of deep bombs, but that nice short to middle range is where Derek Carr likes to live, and that's perfect for, honestly, surprising accuracy from Derek Carr, but a low eight-odd every year, perfect short to mid-range for Edwards, that's not Ruggs' game. That's not John Brown's game. That's not Zay Jones's game. Of course, it's Darren Waller's game, but Darren Waller's going to be double covered now, especially in the red zone. I love Brian Edwards getting the opportunity there. And he may up in, it may end up as the wide receiver one and the number two look behind Darren Waller. The Raiders had the seventh most passing yards last year, which is a surprising stat to me. Seventh most passing yards last year and fifth in net yards gained per pass attempt. Again, little risk it. All biscuit. There's no risk here. Drafting him in the 14th round as your wide receiver six or seven. All reward. Tremendous upside. This kid hurt his foot before the NFL draft last season. It hampered him last year as a rookie. No offseason for these guys. COVID year, all that. I think he bounces back big time. I think he's going to – he and Mike Williams, I think, are going to absolutely explode on their ADP right now. Keep an eye on Brian Edwards. That brings me to my guy, Henry Ruggs. Uh, so I, I agree. I like I like the direction these young guys are going. They're healthy. They're playing with the ones. But I like the John Brown signing because John Brown is an established veteran. And if these guys are running ahead of John Brown, it tells me they've made steps. Like if I don't think John Brown would not be with the twos if if they really feel that Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs were not making strides. Now the reason why I like Ruggs, number one, 
I heard this in a beat reporter say this. John Gruden wants to make sure he was right. He wants to prove everybody he shouldn't have taken C.D. Lamb and he shouldn't have taken Jerry Judy. He wants to prove the world right about Henry Ruggs. He also wants to use Henry Ruggs like the Chiefs use Tyree Kill. And now a lot of people are going to snuff at that. But listen, if you look at his usage last year, number one, 41% of his routes and his targets were in the slot. So he's being used on the inside a lot. He's not going to be on the perimeter being forced to be a first press coverage is going to be all over the middle of the field. He also gets carries. So nine carries last year in the games he played. But the other thing about being in the slot that's really important is number two last year in slot percentage when targeting the field, middle of the field was Derek Carr. At 72% of his passes were in the middle of the field at slot. So that's where Henny Ruggs does make a lot of his living. So I like that for Ruggs. He also added weight this offseason. I know that's a bad narrative, but we'd like to see receivers gain weight and we'd like to see running backs lose weight. Plus, this guy's already a 100th percentile 40-yard dash. Like, he is really fast. He's used in the deep passing game. You saw 15 passes of 20 yards or more downfield last year. So he's proven that. So I like the fact that he's used in the deep passing game. He used in the slots. And that's where his quarterback makes a lot of his living. And I don't want to throw any shade at John Gruden other than his actual personnel decisions. But as a coach, I think he's good. Derek Carr has played very well. And honestly, for a guy who didn't doesn't have receivers, I mean – he literally has Darren Waller. He's made Darren Waller the, the top three tight end, and he's been working with guys like Zay Jones and Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar looked like a stud last year, right? So, like, come on. Like, give Derek Carr a break. The last time he had really good receivers was all the way back in 2016. He was a borderline MVP candidate that year. So get this guy. Get these. I want both these guys to yeah. succeed. It's going to help Derek Carr. So that's why I'm buying Henry Ruggs. And I do like Brian Edwards as well. Each of these guys is a late-round flyer. Me too, and we're not going to talk about Derek Carr here, but if you're in you know, Superflex 2QB leagues, if he's your number three quarterback probably, I mean, that's a score, man. Huge upside with Derek Carr, 13th quarterback on the season last year. You could definitely do worse, and they can only go up in the pass game for the Raiders. Okay, man, I'm going to jump into my other wide receiver. I'm super excited about all three of these guys. Mike Williams as my breakout. Brian Edwards is my sleeper. My deep sleeper, this is 15th round or later. We're scraping the barrel. Dynasty stashes, probably undraftable and redraft, but keep an eye on my man, Josh Palmer, rookie out of Tennessee, playing for my man, Justin Herbert, and the Superchargers. Per pro football focus, Josh Palmer had one of the highest A dots, average depth of target last year in all of college football in Tennessee at 16.6. Unfortunately for Josh last year, he did not have a quarterback at Tennessee that could maximize the potential. Guess who does? The Chargers. Justin Herbert is an absolute animal, loves to throw it downfield, and he's accurate. Justin Herbert was 10th in pass attempts of 30-plus yards. I just mentioned Derek Carr was more of that, you know, uh, short to mid-range, 10 to 30 yards. Justin Herbert, and maybe this had to do with Austin Eckler being out for a lot of the season, he was 30, 40, 50-plus yards. He's throwing bombs. He was 10th in pass attempts of 30-plus yards, 5th in pass attempts of 40-plus yards, and he was tied for first in the NFL among all quarterbacks with the most pass attempts of 50-plus yards. Bobby, I'm going to put you on a quick pop quiz. Who do you think was that other number one quarterback on 50-plus yard pass attempts? I would absolutely be shocked if you were able to guess this. I was blown away. I don't know. Uh, Derek Carr. Think of this <laughs> this year's MVP. I'll give you a hint. Ryan 
Tannehill. I could oh, not, I could not believe myself that Ryan Tannehill was tied for first with 50-plus yard pass attempts with Jay Herbs. Now, Josh Palmer, 6 for 36 in preseason game one. His lone catch in game two last weekend was a touchdown from Easton Stick because Justin Herbert did not play. He's battling for the number three spot right now with Tyron Johnson. If anything happens to Mike Williams, hopefully it does not, but he has had some injuries, then I think Palmer will be that number two right away, ahead of Jalen Guyton, who I like a lot, but ahead of Jalen Guyton and Johnson there. Now, he's a stash at best for now again, but he should be on your rosters. He's on all of my rosters. With a lot of these rookies, especially deep guys, give it a month before you consider dropping him to check out the usage. If you don't see much action, go ahead and drop him, but keep an eye on the waivers for Josh Palmer. Nobody is Justin Jefferson from 2020, but (laughs) sneaky opportunity here from Josh Palmer. If anything happens to anybody up ahead of him, this kid's legit. Justin Herbert's legit. He's been getting raved in camp. I love Josh Palmer right now going as the wide receiver 91 in drafts, 23rd round, not even getting drafted. ECR has him at 112. It's embarrassing. 112, they just stopped ranking, and then they put Josh Palmer at the end. I have him at 69, so I basically cut that in half. Got my man Josh Palmer. Bobby, I'm going to end you on this stat, my best nugget of all of this research for this entire episode. The other two wide receivers going ahead and behind Josh Palmer, I could not be more thrilled. Number 90, Josh Palmer's wide receiver, 91 in ADP. Number 90, Josh Reynolds, best receiver for the Tennessee Titans this season, going as a wide receiver 90. And number 92, Deami Brown. I love all three of these guys. Josh Palmer's in the middle. I'll take him as a last-round pick all day long or stash him, of course, in Dynasty Leagues. Keep an eye on my man, Josh Palmer. I love that pick because I actually picked him in my second round of my Dynasty League, so I'm all in on you. It's a matter of time. Yeah, I love it. Well, also, Mike Williams is a potential free agent next year. If you're in a keeper league, make it a priority to draft Josh Palmer in the later rounds because you can keep him. He'll probably be a stud with Justin Herbert going forward. Let's talk about my guy, Jay. It's KJ Hamler. And the news of Teddy Bridgewater really makes this something even better. Now, first of all, KJ Hamler is not just some nice, you know, day three, you know, undrafted free agent that just played well. This guy was the second pick last season right behind Jerry Judy for the Broncos, and he was 46th overall, and he immediately became a starter. That says something. This guy was already playing before he got hurt. Now, Pat Shermer in his season, in his in his career, has really utilized slot receivers. If you look at 2017, Adam Thielen's big-time breakout year, wide receiver nine, mostly playing in the slot. 2018, Sterling Shepard, wide receiver 29 that season. Uh, you know, Shepard, uh, 2019, it was Golden Tate. He actually was the wide receiver 26 in points per game with the Giants that season. And then my favorite of all has got to be old school Danny Amendola with the Rams in 2010. He actually was finished his career year with Pat Shermer playing that slot role, finished as the wide receiver 37. This guy's going outside the top 80 in expert consensus and ADP right now at 226. We just saw Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, basically support three fantasy viable wide receivers just last year. Now, it's also when you look at this, there's a huge reason why you like a guy like K.J. Hamler. Last season, 78% of his targets was in the slot. Why is that important? Because the change to Teddy Bridgewater is going to be huge for the slot inside of the middle of the field. Target percentage last year, Teddy B, ninth in the NFL, and his percentage of his throws going to the slot. Drew Locke, 31st. Teddy B was 11% higher in targeting the slot. That means more looks are going to go to the middle of the field. That should help KJ Hamler. 
Also, when you look at the DVOA, I talk slot versus wide DVOA, that's just efficiency when throwing to the slot. There's a 28% difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. So what does that mean? That's the difference between number one and number 23 in the rank. That is a ridiculous rank. Last season, among 36 qualified throwers uh, last season, Drew Locke ranked 35th in DVOA when targeting the slot. No, there wasn't a lot of people worse than Luck when he was targeting the middle of the field. This is a big thing for KJ. We just saw a guy like Curtis Samuel playing that third receiver role, getting a lot of looks, got 97 targets last year, playing that third receiver role with Teddy B. On top of all that, KJ Hamler also is used on the ground. He got nine carries also last year, so he's going to get some type of hybrid role and a lot of manufactured touches. This guy has the draft capital. He now has the quarterback. He also has the system, and the fact that he's going outside the top 80 receivers makes him my deep sleeper for the division. I love it, man. Somebody's going to pop in this offense, and we know about Cortland Sutton, and we know about Jerry Judy, but KJ Hamler, definitely a speedster out of Penn State, had a big play already in the preseason. All right, Bob, that is our AFC West studs, duds, breakout sleepers. And of course we got the deep sleeper. I want to thank everybody in the chat room. Look, this I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little sentimental just for a second before we sign off here. Bobby and I have been at this for a couple of seasons. We've been going hard on the TCK side for over 400 episodes. Tonight is 440. We have just joined up this week with the fantasy focus crew again shouts out to everybody over at the fantasy focus team for giving us a little bit of airplay here and letting us do our thing on the networks we're on twitch we're on youtube we're on facebook as well appreciate you guys jumping in here and and chiming in in the chat room we're going to be doing this five days a week all the way through the season we're going to be jumping in sunday mornings for start sit make sure you come and find us and give us a shout out so we appreciate all of you jumping in thank you and we'll get to as many comments as possible before we get out of here i want to give one more shout out here to some new fans as well that is the fantasy football network this is a youtube-based network shouts out to our boys Corey and Kyle Dozier of the Boom Bus Fantasy Squad. They've started a network here. I highly recommend you go over to the Fantasy Football Network on YouTube and check them out. This our page, many other pages. Look, we don't necessarily do a lot of sports betting on this particular site. We don't do a lot of IDP leagues necessarily. There's other dynasty content that go all year. We pretty much only do it up until redraft season this season. So If you're looking for specific stuff, you might be able to find it over there at the network. Many, many different artists and people um, like us doing what they do in the fantasy football space. So check out the Fantasy Football Network and go give them a follow. And, of course, you can follow the Fantasy Focus Squad on Facebook, on YouTube, of course. Give us a subscribe and leave a comment down here with your AFC West studs and duds. And, then, of course, if you're on Twitch, give us a heads up as well. You can find Bobby and I on Twitter at Sky Guasco and Bobby LaMarco, we're also on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore TCK pod and FantasyFootballXFactor. Stay with us. Have a wonderful weekend. We have some great guests coming up next week. We're going to give you some bold predictions. We're going to do an ADP price check. We're going to start breaking down each position and see which guys up at the top we love. And maybe we're going to fade and vice versa. We're almost to the finish line, ladies and gentlemen. We're very excited about this. We're going to catch you next week. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the fantasy-focused network and we are sky and bobby from the tck pod have a wonderful weekend we'll catch you next time for my co-host bobby lamarco i am sky guasco and we are out of here for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.